welcome back. Welcome back. Hope y'all enjoy Leviticus 21. Talking about the priestly parts. This time we, I was like, you know what? Because they're talking some more about priestly. This time it's called a priestly privates. Because we're going to actually we're talking about the privates of the animals. So trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. For some of y'all, this might be a little, uh, Bible, the Bible gets a little bit explicit. For those of y'all didn't know that, it really does. If you think I'm lying, go back to Judah, the Judah and Tamar story. Google the Judah, Judah and Tam, Tamar story and, and think it's Genesis 34. Isn't that Genesis 34? Or Genesis 38, Judah and Tamar. Genesis. Genesis 38, yep. One of the wildest soap operas I ever read and didn't yeah. I don't know how did I miss that story. Alright, so dun, 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 dun. hey, I'm on a proverb. Let's start out with a proverb. Boy, this is sometimes I turn and flip to the proverbs. I'd be like, I don't know if this happens to some of y'all, but I'd be screaming like, it's like, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to me. All the stuff that talks about the way of the fool or the wicked and what happens to them. Like, nah, I want all the stuff that's for the righteous and the uh, the way, the, the wise man. One of my old pastors, one time he did a whole written out breakdown of all the ways of the, of the righteous or the, the, the ways of the wise man. He wrote all those out and all the blessings that come from the wise man and all the ways of the uh, and blessings that come from the uh, the fool. Like the characteristics of the wise man. And then the blessings of that wise man and then the characteristics of the fool and then all the consequences that the fool has to deal with. One of these days I might do that on my own. That'd be a fun little exercise. Just go through like on a Proverbs exercise. It's like for real, write down all like chapter by chapter the characteristics of a fool. Of a I mean of a wise man, characteristics of a fool. Anyway, not today though. Not today, anime. All right, so let's do 16 through 20. Because I have it, some reason I have brackets around 16 through 20. I guess important. So it says, this is Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16 through 20. Oh, let's go back a little further. Uh, let's go back to verse 10. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. It will rescue you from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked, whose ways are devious. It will rescue you from a forbidden woman, from a wayward woman with her flattering talk who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. 
for her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her. None reach the paths of life. So follow the way of good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for this time. You can spend in your word. I pray, God, that this word will continue to grow us and strengthen us as uh, we go on. To, yeah, help us to uh, help us to not walk in the ways of darkness. Help us to uh, have wisdom in our heart, Lord, and your knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit to delight us, Lord, to give us discretion that watches over us. And uh, when we do veer off the path, Lord, that you would, can, we know and we can trust that you will rescue us, God. And Lord, lastly, I just pray, God, that, uh, yeah, Lord, as we go into Leviticus 22, Leviticus 22, That it would just speak to us, Lord. Transform our hearts, transform our minds, and uh, grow us as we chew on your word. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Oh, yeah, and help the Suns to get that W tonight so they can go up 2-0 against uh, Milwaukee. I really want the Suns to win this series. Um, real quick, quick note. <laughs> I'll never forget being, I was like six years old, six years old. And my family and I, it was just my, I'll never forget, it was my brother, my mom and my dad, and we were in the bed, in my parents' bedroom, sitting in their bed, watching the, this would have been the 1993, yeah, because I was six, 1993 NBA Finals between Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, the Bulls and the Suns. Might have been game six, game seven, I think that series went to game seven. Whatever that last game was. I think it was the last game of the series to win it. And Jordan came down and hit a big shot. He scored a bunch of buckets. And then I think it was a pass to John Paxson to hit the game-winning three-pointer to put them up by one or something like that. I think that was a game-winner. I'll never forget it. That was like my introduction to the NBA, my introduction to the whole idea of like, oh, one day I want to be, you know, like Mike, I want to be in the NBA. Just fell in love with basketball. Um, I mean, I wasn't like obsessed with it because we didn't get a hoop till we moved into my new, our house when I was eight. But that just, that was like the introductory love affair with basketball. That game, I'll never forget it. And here we are all these years later. I'm 34 years old. So what is the math on that? That's 28 years ago, y'all. 28 years ago. It's crazy. 28 years ago. It's weird. It's kind of freaky to think about. 28 years later, here I am. A big kid pretending to be adult, an adult. Still learning to be an adult. And uh, yeah, here they are. Sons. Here's our chance to redeem those sons. I just know Charles Barkley would be happy.
Just, yeah, just all those. Chris Paul, man, he deserves, as much as he's been grinding, he deserves this championship. Giannis is young. He can always get his, his ring later on. And then they got, yeah, what's the other dude's name? What's the young cat's name? I can't think of his name. The kid from Kentucky. The guard. I know what I'm talking about. That guy. He's a good player. He broke his nose. That would suck. You break your nose. What's the dude's name? Hold on a second. Booker. Devin Booker. Yeah, he broke his nose. It's all cocked to the side. And uh, he has no mask on. He got hit in the nose again. I saw Reed in that last game, one game. He got hit in the nose. I was like, oh, and his broken eye. Like, if I break my nose, I better win the championship. <laughs> so, all right, here we go. Leviticus 22. Priests and their food. The Lord spoke to Moses. Tell Aaron and his sons to deal respectfully with the holy offerings of the Israelites that they have consecrated to me. So they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Say to them, if any man from any of your descendants throughout your generations is in a state of uncleanness, yet approaches the holy offerings that the Israelites consecrate to the Lord, that person will be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. No man of Aaron's descendants who has a skin disease or a discharge to eat from the holy offerings is to eat from the holy offerings until he is clean. Whoever touches anything made unclean by a dead person or by a man who has an emission of semen or whoever touches any swarming creature that makes him unclean or any person who makes him unclean, whatever his uncleanness, the man who touches any of these will remain unclean until evening and is not to eat from the holy offerings unless he has bathed his body with water. When the sun has set, he will become unclean and then he may eat from the holy offerings for that is his food. He must not eat an animal that died naturally or was mauled by wild beasts, making himself unclean by it. I am the Lord. They must keep my instruction or they will be guilty and die because they profane it. I'm trying to sit up straight. I've been more concerned about my back, especially they talk about the hunchbacks. How they couldn't serve as priests. I think I would fit all the requirements except for my broken finger. And then I couldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to. Uh. I wouldn't be able to preach. It said broken hand. It didn't say broken finger. Mm -hmm. Wonder where they drew the line on that. Um. Ah, I don't know how to do this without bending my back a little bit. This is we stretch it out. All right. So, where was I? Um. See, that's too close to the camera. All right. Uh, where was I? Where was I? Oh well. I'll get a new body in heaven. Swarming creatures. Sources on cleanness. Alright, it says, yeah, the man who touches any of these will remain unclean until evening is not to eat from the holy offering unless he has bathed his body with water. Verse 7, when the set sun has set, he will become clean. And then... He may eat from the holy offerings, for that is his food. He must not eat an animal that died naturally or was mauled by wild beasts, making himself unclean by it. I am the Lord. They must keep my instruction. They will be guilty and die because they profane it. I am the Lord who sets them apart. Verse 10. No one outside a priest's family is to eat the holy offering. A foreigner staying with a priest or a hired worker is not to eat the holy offering. 
But if a priest purchases someone with his own silver, that person may eat it. And those born in his house may eat his food. If the priest's daughter is married to a man outside a priest's family, she is not to eat from the holy contributions. But if the priest's daughter becomes widow or divorced, has no children, and returns to her father's house as in her youth, she may share her father's food. But no outsider may share it. If anyone eats a holy offering in error, he is to add a fifth to its value and give the holy offering to the priest. The priest must not profane the holy offerings the Israelites give to the Lord by letting people eat their holy offerings and having them bear the penalty of restitution. For I am the Lord who sets them apart. A couple of thoughts that just going through my head as I was reading that. Um, it's just... As I'm reading this, I'm just like, God, why? Like, why? What is the with all these rules? Like, why is it very particular? And it goes back to, I guess, there's like this guy was very like, there's a separation, the whole set apart thing. Like, there's this special distinction about God and his people. And you can just come to get to him any old kind of way. Just like kind of if you were to join an organization there are steps that it takes to join it and it's very particular it's very like if you ever join like some type of like, especially highly esteemed group like think about even just getting into an ivy league college like in the requirements that it takes to get into an ivy league school or into law school or to to become a doctor or become like these people of or some club you name the club to win an academy award name you name it there's something special about it it's different and we look at these people with high esteem, right? Because it took a lot of special steps to get into that group. To be a Hall of Famer in the NBA, in the NBA or NFL, like it took us. It's a special class of people, right? Not everybody gets in. And with this, God set the parameters and rules of who could be a part of this and partake. And the these special rules for the priests that were set apart. And the only thing I kept thinking of is just like Jesus, how he is our high priest and how he is set apart. And he actually intermingled with the dirtiest of the dirtiest of people, women touching him who had the problem of profuse bleeding her whole life. The blind, the lame, the lepers. They, he was surrounded by these folks, right? And he was not considered unclean. He like defied all the Jewish laws, right? And and then one day we will be able to partake with him in a banquet in the food in heaven. I can only imagine it's gonna be amazing, but like all these rules that made it to where you couldn't eat from the pre couldn't eat with the priest. Like it's a foreshadowing to like one day we'll be able to eat and have a banquet with the Lord and all the other Christians throughout history and this group of set apart part people that are only there in communion with the Lord because of what Jesus did, not because of our ability to clean ourselves up and make us fit for the kingdom. We're only fit for the kingdom because of Jesus. So that's what I was thinking of as I was just reading this. Like I just keep, my brain just keeps going back to Jesus, keeps going back to Jesus, keeps going back to Jesus as I read this. Um, all right. Acceptable sacrifices. The Lord spoke to Moses. Verse 18. 
Speak to Aaron, his sons, and all the Israelites and tell them any man of the house of Israel or the resident aliens in Israel who presents his offering, whether they present payment of vows or free will gifts to the Lord as burnt offerings, must offer an unblemished meal from the cattle, sheep, or goats in order for you to be accepted. An unblemished meal. You are not to present anything that has a defect because it will not be accepted on your behalf. In the, like God has such high standards. Like his standards were like, I don't even know how these priests were able to keep up with all this. Like where, who had the book and the chart and the manual for all these special rules that God had for them, right? And he had this plan. All right, I'm gonna keep reading. I'm gonna keep reading. When a man presents a fellowship sacrifice to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering from the herd or flock, it has to be unblemished to be acceptable. There must be no defect in it. You are not to present any animal to the Lord that is blind, injured, maimed, or has a running sore, festering rash, or scabs. You may not put any of them on the altars as a fire offering to the Lord. He may sacrifice as a free will offering any animal from the herd or flock that has an elongated or stunted limb. But it is not acceptable as a vow offering. I have here on my note here that Jesus, yeah, he was unblemished. And that he was made, he was acceptable because he was unblemished. He had no sin. He had no defect. He was perfect in every way. What's wild is the people that crucified Jesus on the cross, they didn't even realize that they were making a sacrifice to God. They didn't even know that when they did that, they were actually making a sacrifice to the God of the universe. They had no clue. Now their hearts weren't even in the right place when they were doing it. It's crazy. This how God flips stuff. And Jesus gave him this he gave himself up willingly. All right, verse 23. You may sacrifice a free will offering any as a free will offering. I think I read this already. Yeah. All right, verse 24. You are not to present to the Lord anything that has bruised, crushed, torn, or severed. There it goes, there it goes again. Severed testicles. Yeah. It's hard to read. I should just skip over that next time. <laughs> You must not sacrifice them in your in your land. Neither you nor a foreigner are to present food to your God from any of these animals. They will not be accepted for you because you because they are deformed and have a defect. The Lord spoke to Moses when an ox, sheep or goat is born. It is to remain with its mother for seven days. From the eighth day on, it will be acceptable as an offering. Remember, eight, eight is the day of new beginnings. Seven is the day of completeness. Um. Purification, completeness, eight is the day of new beginnings. It will be acceptable as an offering, a fire offering to the Lord, but you are not to slaughter an animal from the herd or flock on the same day as its young. When you sacrifice a thank offering to the Lord, sacrifice it so that she may be accepted. It is to be eaten on the same day. Do not let any of it remain until morning. I am the Lord. You are to keep my commands and do them. I am the Lord. He keeps saying, I'm the Lord, like I am the Lord, I am the Lord, just in case y'all forgot.
You must not profane my holy name. I must be treated as holy among the Israelites. I am the Lord who sets you apart, the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. That word Lord is so old, but um, we don't really use it in modern day language other than like when we talk about landlords. And that's been that was a hot topic in the news because landlords. I saw somebody had a sign up like saying, get a real job because landlords have been raising rents and been their primary way of making money, owning property and renting it out. And um, yeah, it's a very old term. But like when you think of that word, Lord is somebody who has ownership and rulership over property, over land, over even people lording over you, you know. And so they pretty much call the shots and God is here saying, I, I am the Lord. I'm the Lord of everything. I own it all. I made you. It's crazy that God has to remind human beings that he is the Lord. Like, I don't know. It'd be kind of like the president constantly telling us like, I'm your president. Remember, I'm your president. I have this power. It's like, no, like we already know that. Like, why do you have to keep telling us that? Yeah, we know. But yeah, God had to keep telling him because it's it's like in the human heart to not acknowledge God as God, as Lord, as ruler over all of us. Even if you don't claim to have a relationship with him or say, I don't want to have anything to do with you, God, like he still owns you. He owns everything that you that you even allows you to have in your possession, that home that you have, that car that you drive, that. You name it, fill in the blank, really nice laptop, phone that you got, whatever. It all belongs to him. And the money that you make, he gave you the ability to even make it. He gave you the mind to be able to do whatever you do, to whatever. The physical abilities to play a sport or dance. So he's given me the ability to talk right now. So it's easy to like in this very modern new age um self-sufficient pick yourself up by your bootstraps america like north american you know um cowboy capitalism world it's easy to think like you don't need god you know i don't need god i'm the master of my fate captain of my own soul it's like no i'm the lord god says i'm the lord i'm the lord i'm the lord who set you apart, the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I feel like God today would be like, I'm the Lord who sent my son Jesus so that you could be free from the gates of hell to the yeah the eternal fire and all the pain, destruction, eternal damnation, whatever. I am the Lord. I'm the God. I set the rules and I made it very easy for y'all. All you got to do is accept my son, Jesus, and you can have eternal life. Now, some people be like, what about those people in those remote villages in the world and who've never even heard of Jesus, who never had a Bible, who never had an evangelist come tell them about Jesus? It's like God created them. He knows them, too. And, it, and he has a way of getting in contact with them. I've heard stories of people having dreams about Jesus and or that 
there was that group of I can't remember who they are. There was these missionaries that went out to this like remote village in the middle of nowhere. This group of um, what do you call them? Uh, indigenous folks in the Amazon or something like that. And they were killed by these indigenous folks. The the white it was I think it was a bunch of white dude missionaries guys that went down there and they got speared to death. And then their spirits, the men's spirits, or whatever. They could see him floating in the air or something like that, and it freaked the uh, the indigenous folks out. And um, I guess they had a visitation or whatever from Jesus or something too. I don't know what the whole the exact whole story. Anyway, later on, the women, the wives of these men, came and visited that group, and and uh, told these this indigenous group about Jesus, and they all got, you know, accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I I haven't read the whole story. This. The gist of what I heard, I need to read more about it. But my main point is, at the end of the day, God is sovereign. He's real, and at the end of the day, we got to focus on us and our relationship with Him, and what are we doing with this free gift of Jesus that He's told you about? Not, yeah. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word, Leviticus. 22 i thank you all that you are the lord that we don't have to be reminded that you are lord that you are god that you are in control that you are sovereign i thank you all that you made a way through your son jesus who was who was the perfect sacrificial lamb to die on the cross for our sins um because there is no restitution no redemption no um no uh path to you god without there to be the shedding of blood and your son jesus down on the cross lord made it a way for us to have a relationship with you that we don't have to go through a mediator we don't have to go through a priest you or you are our high priest you are our mediator you are our source lord that we go to to have a relationship with your son jesus with your with you god through your son jesus we have the relationship with god so in the name of jesus i pray for those that don't know you they place their trust, their hope, their faith in you, ask you into their heart, and they'll never be the same again. And um, we just thank you once again. This is the day that you have made that we can rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Um, Man, so many thoughts just going through my head. But I'm going to close it out here. God bless y'all. And talk to y'all later.